it is um, it is so good to be with you. Yeah, I, I, let me. I just want to do two things before I even start. Um, in in worship when we were praying and just worshiping God and just seeking after God, my, my prayer is really that God would speak to all of us. Uh, I'm I'm. <laughs> it's a weird prayer that I prayed. I said, Lord, I never want to become a professional preacher. Never want to become professional with this. Never want to become professional at handling the things of God. Uh, I want to stay in a place of humility. Just say, God, if you would use me, use me. But I do really pray that God would uh, speak to us today, uh, that he would bless you. If I wish I could put in words the love that God has, the love that God has for you. Um, but my words would not be sufficient. That's why he sent Christ to be a very public display of how far God is willing to go to meet you. So that's not a part of my preach. Um, but in any case, I just really wanted to say that. Uh, another thing I just want to say before I even jump into this is uh, I do want to just point to God. Um, there was a time my wife that, that now knows me for, I think we're nine years now, almost going for 10. Um, hallelujah. Um, <laughs> It's a lot of her and a lot of not a lot of me, but um, there was really a time uh, where I believed that I will never stand in ministry again. Uh, I really gave up, uh, and I remember remember how she prayed, and uh, God's good. God's just good. Doesn't give up. We we can give up on ourselves sometimes, but God, yo, He's relentless. And he really sometimes leaves that 99 to go and fetch that one stubborn little sheep that was Pierre. Brings him back into a fall. Um, and uh, so I just want to give him the glory. Uh, he just restores and, and blesses us. Is that cool? All right. So um, I have the opportunity to, to preach. And, and I want to lay this disclaimer before I even start that... Um, the scripture that God gave me when I received this, it wasn't something that I was very uh, excited about. Uh, and the reason is it's not because of its complexity or because it's a hard word. It's actually such a beautiful word. But I think because it's so beautiful, uh, I have often met people that don't even ascribe as Christians that would able to quote the scripture, talk about its beauty, and not live under it. And, uh, and my prayer for us today is that that, that would not be our portion that we would be able to, to gaze upon the Word and let the Word gaze upon us and really submit under it and yield under it uh, so that God may receive His glory uh, and His renown. Is that cool? Let's go. Psalm 23, verse 1, 2, 3. My wife can put that up. Thank you very much. It reads as follows. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And for the sake of time, we're just going to first look at this three verses. So very popular scripture. A lot of people, maybe you have a coffee mug at your house with this on. It's very well known. Bookmark, maybe even on your car if you're really, really serious. Um, but it is such a beautiful passage. But I do want to say that in the beginning, I love how David starts off the song. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And in that, there's, there's a very great tension because it's two very, contra I don't want to say contradicting, contrasting images. 
See, the one, the Lord, speaks of God's divine nature, His power, His omniscient. He is powerful. He is God. He is not a created being. He stands outside of creation. He is creator. He stands outside of time. He is powerful. And then David so... <laughs> that's fine. And then David so seamlessly moves into another area where it says, He is my, my shepherd. And even in preparing for this measure, I do feel that there's something of God wanting to restore his divine nature in the heart of believers. So if I can just give you a very practical or simple uh, explanation to this. Um, at one stage, when I was backsliding, um, I went back into nightclubs. Um, raves, what we call it that day. So. But uh, I used to go out with this friend, and he was big. So his name is Sean. He was about 130 kgs. And he looked the part. So he wasn't just big. He had tattoos all over his body and had this big chain. And, and I think our first time that we ever met, I drove with him. And there was this like clinging noise in the back. I said to him, what's that? He's like, no, that's my knuckle dusters and my, my, my baseball bats. So this was a very serious guy. And I always had confidence when I walked into the nightclub. Because I was the small guy with the big guy. See, it wasn't about who I was. It was with who I was walking in. And even though the, the areas that we were walking in were dodgy and unsafe, I felt safe. I felt confident because I was walking in with the big guy. And for us as Christians, there is such an attack on the power and the divine nature of God in the world. People openly blaspheming, challenging God. And let me say this like this. The only reason why we are still alive is because just as powerful God, as God is, he is also long-suffering and patient. But it will, it will subside at one stage. When Jesus returns, we were even in praying before, when Jesus returns, he doesn't return as a lamb. He returns as the mighty light. It's called the terrible day of the Lord. God will come back in his power and his wrath. And we have this opportunity now. But also, guys, let us not pull back from this world. Let us not, not go out in confidence. Because we do have a God that walks with us, and He is powerful, and He is mighty. He is the one that can speak to mountains and say, be cast off. He is the one that can make things that are impossible, possible. Because He is God, and He is not man. But we need to hold that tension just as well as we hold the tension that He is our shepherd. So I'm looking across the room, don't see anybody that is aspiring to be a sheep herder. It's not a very popular vocation. Uh, and even when David was spending this. This was not an esteemed position. It was not like you got the king and he sits next to the shepherd. It was, it was, it was a lowly vocation. And it's so beautifully for me how David just moves from God's divine nature into God's willingness to lower himself to come and meet us. And we need to have both. But let me just say it like this. Jesus can't be your shepherd where he is not your Lord. You need to hold the tension. See, and, and, and I want to say it, it goes both ways. See, I've, 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 I've even met people that have this high regard of God, and God is just omniscient and powerful, and they can throw even 7,000 Greek words in there. But they fail to believe that God's willing. We need to hold the tension, and I love, this is how David starts the psalm. See, for us, if we, if we want to move onto the beauty part of the psalm where it says we shall not want and he makes me lay down and there's green pastures and there's still waters. In order for us to get there, first we need to have the revelation that the Lord is my shepherd. 
Because without that revelation, there is want, there is no green pastures, and there is no restoration for my soul. We need to anchor ourselves in this revelation. Let me say this as well. It's an ongoing, continuous growing in that revelation. It's not a once-off thing. One thing I love about the Lord, I'm like, I think I know him. And then it's like, oh, no, no, no. I love the testimony of Paul. How many of you have ever thought that's a weird thing where, where Paul goes and he's, I mean, this guy's seeing miracles and telling dead people to stop being dead. Then he says, if only I may know him. And I'm like, there was a hunger inside of him. There was such a hunger, God, I need more. And then he sees God moving and he's like, God, I need more. I need more. There's more to you. And may we have that same hunger. May we have that same thirst for the presence of God. And, and this is not the only time where the Bible speaks about this contra uh, contrasting image. Even God himself refers to himself as the lion and the lamb. And I, I don't know if you've ever been out to nature. Those are usually two animals that don't coexist. And where they do coexist, it ends badly for the one. But I love how God is just willing. So yes, he's the mighty lion, but he's also the lamb that was slain. But like I said, we need to hold the tension. He is not a lamb pretending to be a lion. No, he's, a, he's a lion that chose to become a lamb. It is con it's power under control. That's why Jesus was known for his meekness. I love when they wanted to arrest Jesus and they asked him, so are you Jesus? The response, I am. And he flattens people. Go read the Bible. They fall down. Roman soldiers trained men in the art of war. Now, I did a little bit of MMA. If somebody can speak and I fall, I'm not showing up for that fight. No way. That's an amount of power that I don't know what to do with. That's the Lord we serve. That's the Lord that's behind us and in front of us, next to us, when we face the mountains, when we face the rain. Is that cool? So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So here I have to do a little bit of deconstruction. Um. It has been my experience, and especially in today's kind of evan Western evangelical world, that there's two major camps. So there's the one camp that would read it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. He will give me everything that I want. That God's great plan is for you to be healthy and wealthy and pretty and have a nice house and life must just be awesome. And the problem with that is, well, two things. You have to disregard a lot of scripture. And you have to disregard Christian history. To throw it out the window. The problem, the biggest problem for me is that you're reducing the image of God instead of being Lord to be genius. And you have to rub him the right way in order for him to give you certain things. It's not the way. It's not how God wants to be served. God wants us to seek his face, to know his presence, to know his worth outside of what he can give us. But let me testimony on the other side so um, when I first got saved uh, I got saved in a very we were very strict on holiness which was a very good thing for me <laughs> but we had this leaning towards the prosperity so it was kind of like you tithe because then God owes you he has to give you more money and that's how we that's what I believe and that's what I taught from the pulpit uh, for about two years <laughs> and um actually went on to be, go to another ministry, but largely the same kind of vibe. And um, all this kind of came to a break 
where one of my friends, uh, just an amazing man of God, really anointed man of God, um, sent me a message the one evening and said, listen here, brother, I need you to pray for me. Uh, I'll pray for my mom. She, she's really ill. And um, at that stage, although I wasn't in full-time ministry, it felt like full-time ministry for me. It was literally six out of the seven days I was in church and doing counseling and all that sort of stuff. And so I did the very Christianese thing, and I said, fine, I'll pray. And I, if I'm honest, it was this real five-minute, Jesus, by your wounds we are healed, and I'll come and heal and just bless her and thank you, and I'll speak life over her, and everything will be fine, and everything will be great, and I went to bed. And the next morning I was woken up with another message from my friend, and he said, hey, but I, I really need you to pray now. Uh, my mom had a stroke, and she's in ICU now. And I said, I'm listening, I'm, I'm on my way. And uh, I drove over to Luke's house, and um, I remember seeing him. And I was just overwhelmed. I mean, literally, I cried as though it was my mother. Because I could just see this pain and this uncertainty that he was going through. Was, was his mom going to make it or not? So um, a week went past where every day we were praying in, I still had my own business. And we would pray that business from morning to evening he would come to my house okay he would come to my business we would open it up and pray and uh, i'll never forget i think it was the saturday evening around yeah, saturday morning sorry around two o'clock uh, he sent me a message hey bud i just want to say thank you um my mom has gone to be with him and it just shook me to my core I didn't understand god how could this be good how could we not have, between the seven or eight people that were praying, how could we not have the faith to move your hand? And it really threw me into this very big theological battle. Because I believed one thing, but I didn't see it manifest in reality. So I did what uh, any normal person would be, and I googled every single sermon on suffering. And I watched hours and hours and hours of theology on suffering to a place where it got so bad that I believe God wanted me to suffer. Um, and I think most of you would know the story with me and my wife. We move down to Western Cape. We lose our accommodation. We move into a warehouse. And there we stay, a cockroach-infested warehouse. And uh, it was probably like five or six months in. And uh, I'm just believing this is my portion. This is what God has for me. And I remember the one evening she, was, she went to bed and uh, I was laying there and I wanted to, to get something to eat. And as I was grabbing what I was eating, a cockroach ran over my hand. And it was just at that point <laughs> where I said, this is enough. This is enough. And I went and I prayed. And I really felt God speak to me. And he said to me, son, you're like the Israelites standing outside the promised land, believing that you can't go in. And it challenged my theology from the opposite side. So we need to hold the tension. We need to hold the tension. God is good. He is worthy to be trusted. Don't just accept everything that goes wrong in your life as, oh, well, this is my lot. There needs to be a push back and a fight back. I always said to my community that I was leading, I said, guys, pray with very open hands while clinging to Jesus. Pray with very open hands. God, this is what I want. God, I'm bringing this to your throne. But even if you don't, God, I'm clinging to Jesus because you already displayed the amount of love, the amount of willingness you are willing to go to to meet me. Big prayer. We live in a culture these days where you're so scared that maybe we're going too far this and then we just swing it all the way. Keep this tension. Keep that God 
what do you have so that you don't end up in a warehouse like me? Wasn't good. Shall not wait. Deepest desires of my need, my heart, and of my soul will be met in my shepherd. Let's go further. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lay down. So a, a preacher I often listen to, he, he makes this comment, and I don't want to disagree with him, but uh, he says you can lay down or you can be made to lay down. And I don't want to challenge God's sovereignty uh, or even how he met with uh, the Apostle Paul and just knocked him off the horse and said, hey, you will actually serve me from now on. Um, but I do believe in the context of the scripture, in the context of Psalm uh, 23, what David means is that if we have this revelation of God, if we start viewing God as God and as shepherd, willing to meet us, our only natural response is to lay down. Our only natural response is, Lord, I surrender. And you can actually see how it is echoed in Romans 12, where Paul writes and says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present yourselves a living act. And he says, this is your reasonable service. If you understand, if you have this view, if you have this image of God, if you start understanding His goodness and His mercy towards you, the only response can be, Lord, here's my life. Here's my life. Now, the problem with surrendering for us is there's sometimes things we have to surrender that we, that we don't like. See, a lot of us have prayed the prayer, Lord, give me the peace that transcends understanding, but are you willing to surrender your, your right to understand to receive the peace? We don't like it. We want to infuse God into how we would like life to work. And again, it's just because it's a distorted image. We're not seeing God as God. We're not seeing God as Alpha and Omega, above me, smarter than me. He is more stronger. It is better for me to surrender because he can make more sense out of my life than I can. I'm a very bad God. <laughs> Ends badly. Make me like surrender. And let me just say this. Surrendering is also not a once-off occasion. It's not just when we came to faith. I love it. Uh, you can quickly put up that scripture. It's Luke 9 verse 23. Can you find it? Or maybe use that one. Use it. I'm on a clicker. Okay. This is Jesus. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Five people. He will take up his cross. Daily. Hallelujah. Daily. Daily. Something we need. Every morning when we get up. Lord, this day I surrender to you. Surrender to you, Lord. You're still the same God that got me through yesterday. You're still the God that got me through that season that I thought there is no way out. You're still the God that sustained me and delivered me when everything was going against me. So Lord, this day I bring to you and I surrender. That's the posturing that we should say. It makes me lay down in green pastures. Love this. Love this. Green pastures. So, green pastures speaks of God's provision. And now we're going to go prosperity. But I want to show you. I want to show you. I put up the, the scripture, Mark 6, 34 to 38. I want you to pay attention to the, 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 the language that is used in Psalm 23 and in Mark. And you see the connection between the two verses. So it says... When he, that's Jesus, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them 
because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii's worth of bread and give it to them and to eat? And he said, how many loaves do we have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they, uh, they said, five and two fish. Then, the, then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on green grass, green pasture. And most of you will know the story. What happens then is Jesus feeds them. So there's a few things that kind of stood out for me. When I prayed. See, I love, see, we're so focused on Jesus feeding, feeding the people, but what did he do before he fed them? taught them anything. Then he asked them to sit down. So he teaches, he feeds their souls. He says, what this people need is not just McDonald's or whatever those five fish were. Well, something fishy, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know fish places. Teaches them. Do you see, see the, the connection? What does it say? Jesus looks out and he's moved with compassion. He's moved with compassion. He's like, I need to teach these people. They don't know my ways. They don't know how I designed life to work, how I designed world to work. And he teaches them. And then before he feeds them, he says, sit down. And it speaks to us. See, a lot of us are struggling to see the provision of God in our life because we're failing to sit under the teaching of Jesus. We're failing to sit down and say, yes, Lord, this is your way, not my way. So when it comes to finances, when it comes to sex, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to relationship, are we willing to sit under the teaching of Jesus so that we can actually sit in the green pastures or are we going to do it our way? <laughs> we need to be able to sit under. And again, guys, I want to link this back. The only time you will ever lay down is if you have the right revelation of Jesus. The only time you will be willing to sit under God's teaching and his commandment, if you have the revelation, he is the Lord and he shall shepherd. See, God is not after our begrudging submission. God is not looking for little reps that's just going to look so much different to the world that he can say, oh yeah, that's one of mine. God understands how life works. I love what, John, what Jesus says in John 10, 10, that he came to give life and life more abundantly. And the way he's going to lead us into that life and that life that's more abundantly is by giving us commandments on how he designed the world to work in the first place. So that when we submit under it, he leads us into greater joy so that we will glory more in him. It would be terrible if I take my wife and I say, you know what, I'm married to her so I'm not allowed to cheat. Really get married, it's awesome. <laughs> suck but i love my wife because i love my wife there's nobody else that's my wife she's mine and i'm proud of that i protect her i love her she's mine the same how god feels about us but when we sometimes look at his commandments we want to take this thought of god you're trying to rob from me and that's exactly what G what the devil said to adam and eve in genesis oh you think you got it good now God's robbing from you. He just doesn't want you to have more. Don't eat from that food. And we're still living with that up until today. 
We need to understand God wants us in a place of joy, not happiness. Joy, it's not the same thing. Sometimes getting to joy stings. But it's deeper. So God has provision for us if we are willing to sit under. He leads me beside still waters. That's peace. God gives us peace. And for the sake of, you just put that back up and we love. Just want to say for the recording, love is my wife. It doesn't. It's like this guy's got a very weird connection with the AV guy. <laughs> he leads me beside still water. He gives me peace. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. So what I love is he's leading us. Before he leads us, he gives us peace. But I want to show you something. So quickly put up verse 4. So he leads me beside still waters. It still sounds awesome to follow Jesus. I'll go to some still waters. And then all of a sudden, David goes very dark. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you, for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me following Jesus sometimes beautiful still waters and sometimes very very deep valleys and as a people of God we need to be able to follow him irrespective of where they are irrespective we don't follow Jesus just when it's pretty and beautiful and we're going up a mountain and I'm going to get married or I'm going to get a promotion or whatever the case is See, when we enter into covenant with God, what that means is it gives us a blank contract. We sign our name on it. We give it back to him and we say, you fill it in. It's not you do this, I'll do that. It's a blank paper with our signature. God, you fill it in because I trust you. And one of the most powerful scriptures for me, if you can quickly put up Jeremiah. This is a scripture that I have. This is the, my heart's desire for me and for my wife and even for this church. Look at this language God speaks to Israel. It says in Jeremiah 2 verse 1, The word of the Lord came to me. To go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in a land that was not so. I love the language that God uses. Because I remember when you followed me when it didn't make sense. I love it. it. It's not followed as a sheep. Followed as what? A bride. See, God all of a sudden says, it's not just that you followed me, but you loved me. You loved me as a bride. You followed me into a land that looked like this cannot end well, but still, you trusted enough in my character. You trusted enough in my nature that you followed. You followed me. That's what God still wants from us in this crazy time that we are living. In these dark times, God says, will you still believe? Will you still believe? Will you still follow me, although this looks scary? Will you still follow me, although it looks like it's a desolate place, it's a wilderness, it doesn't look that pretty? Will you not look at the circumstances and will you look at me and follow me because you love me? I said this to Tony, I think about a month ago. Um, we're obviously very busy with church things, which I love. Love the church, beautiful thing. But I, this one morning, I was just praying, God, 
just push this on my heart. Son, I want you to love me. Just love me. See, it's good to be busy with all these things of ministry and it's awesome and it's great. Keep your heart pure. Love me. Love me pure. Because God knows, if I love him, even if we have to go to a valley, I'll follow. I'll follow because he's my treasure, not where he can take me. He's my treasure. He's my portion. So let me say this. We have these three postures. We have the laying down, the surrender. We have the sitting down, of sitting under the weight of God, sitting under his commandments, let him lead us. And then we've got this following. And it's not separate things. We need all three in order for us to walk this road together with God. It's not just enough to just lay down. God's like, okay, we need to move. Now I'm just laying down. Beautiful place, green pastures. Why? So the reason is that we can show a broken world that there is a better way. That we can show a broken world that there is that our treasure is not on earth, but it's in heaven. See, I, I, I love this. One of the, the greatest things that my friend, when he lost his mother, what he showed me and what God was teaching me. That Saturday evening when we were praying, uh, so he joined me at a prayer meeting. He used to pray from 10 to 11 every Saturday. This guy was walking in front of me praying. and I was literally walking behind him. I don't know what to pray. He was just walking in his pain, in his hurt, following just praying, Lord, still worship you. God, you're still good. And it was one of the greatest testimonies because it showed me where his treasure was. It showed me that irrespective of what happens in his life, God is worthy. God is the greatest. Don't give up on that. Hold on to that with everything inside of you. See, Jesus promises us when the storm comes, not if the storm comes. And whether you're a believer or you're not a believer, there are storms in this world that's broken enough. Beauty is at least when that storm comes for us as believers, not alone. He's there. I always say this, there's two seasons for any Christian. A season of sustaining and a season of delivering. Even that season where it's like things are not going right, God is holding you together. Do you really think if you, you could have gone through everything that you have gone through if God was not holding you tightly, saying, don't lose the plot now? He sustains us. He's also good to deliver us when things come too hard. Does that make sense? But I'll ask you, if you don't mind, just to, to stand up. I want to read Psalm 23 over us. The whole psalm, not just the whole verse. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, shall not what? He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside the water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of the enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me 
all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You can sit down. You can take over. Thank you, Pierre.